from the Alaska Airline Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is the Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like good. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got to this is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, April 10th. Happy Good Friday to everybody out there ahead in this hour. Bill O'Brien just can't resist trading and trading within the NFC West. The LA Rams agreeing to deal Brandon Cooks, a wide receiver, to the Houston Texans. We'll discuss the details of that and why. This one still has some people guessing. Basically ended up swapping Brandon Cooks for DeAndre Hopkins. We'll get into that. UFC 249. We heard Dana White be adamant that this would take place on April 18th. But yesterday in a press conference, he came out and said it has been officially canceled or postponed, at least at this time. And all other UFC events have been postponed indefinitely due to the coronavirus pandemic. Why did this happen when it seemed Dana White had everything lined up, including a location? We'll explain. We'll hear from him as well. And a lot of people getting creative right now since there are no sports on television. And MLB is getting creative with a virtual tournament of sorts. We've seen this happen in the NBA. But who's going to represent the Mariners in this one? They'll have a rep from every team we'll discuss ahead in this hour. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Well, as I mentioned, Bill O'Brien just, you know, can't still sit still for too long and dealing with the NFC West. He's very familiar with that. The Los Angeles Rams agreeing to trade wide receiver Brandon Cooks now to the Houston Texans. The Texans will send a 2020 second round NFL pick to the Rams for the 26 year old Cooks and a 2022 fourth rounder, according to ESPN. The Rams acquired Cooks and a fourth round pick from the Patriots back in 2018 before the draft in exchange for a first-round pick. The Rams then signed him to a five-year, $81 million contract before the season. The Rams handing out a lot of those big deals over the past couple of years. Uh, The Rams uh, also now will incur $21.8 million in dead money by making this trade. They already paid him $4 million, a roster bonus that was due on the third day of the league year. So assuming just some of that cost now, in two seasons with the Rams, Cooks caught 122 passes, just over 1,700 yards and seven touchdowns. But a lot of those came in 2018, helped them power their way to a Super Bowl appearance with over 1,200 yards, five touchdowns. Last season, though, you saw that drop off. His production declined. He also was sidelined for two games because of recurring concussions. Earlier this week, Rams coach Sean McVay said that several teams had reached out and we're interested in trading for Cooks. And now they made that happen. The Texans will be the fourth team Cooks has played for in what will be his seventh NFL season. But maybe the more head-scratching part of this, of course, is what they are doing uh, with the Texans. And Bill O'Brien now assuming that GM slash head coach role. Trey Wingo said this morning on Golik and Wingo, he still doesn't understand what the Texans are doing 
having traded DeAndre Hopkins recently and essentially swapping these two receivers. This is where the team construct part of it I don't understand for the Houston Texans. And it goes back to the decision to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, but you try and replace him with Brandon Cooks, who is not a ton of money, but it's a decent chunk of change against the, the backdrop of what's happening in less than two weeks. A draft where there are probably 20 receivers yeah. that have a first-round grade. Last month, uh, Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins and a 2024th rounder to the Arizona Cardinals for running back David Johnson, a 2022nd round pick and a 2021 fourth round selection. In his only comments that he made publicly about that trade, O'Brien said that trading Hopkins was, quote, in the best interest of our team and uh, noted because he wanted a raise. Uh, yeah, but still shocking there. And of course, why does it have to keep benefiting the NFC West, an already formidable division here. Although, you know, it's okay when it benefits the Seahawks, right? UFC 249 will not proceed on April 18th, despite UFC President Dana White, his efforts to move forward with the pay-per-view event. All other UFC events have also been postponed indefinitely due to concerns for the coronavirus pandemic. UFC 249 was scheduled to air on ESPN+. Plus. They have a five-year contract as the exclusive home of UFC fights on the Disney, ESPN, ABC networks, and pay-per-view services. White said ESPN told him it didn't want him to do the fight, uh, and that that is the reason that this won't happen. In a statement, ESPN said, quote, uh, it has been consistent in, con- in consistent contact with the UFC regarding UFC 249. Nobody wants to see sports return more than we do, but we didn't feel this was right time for a variety of reasons. ESPN expressed its concerns to the UFC, and they understood. Uh, this was Brett Okamoto, ESPN MMA insider, talking about why ESPN just didn't get on board. They felt like they had really thought through everything. They had scoured the world for locations. You guys mentioned a private island. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, Dana White still today, I just spoke to him moments ago, adamantly said, I could do this. I, I had it figured out. But it was actually his broadcast partner, ESPN, that said, you know what, I, we, we don't think that this is a good idea. Mm. We need you to uh, we need you to stop for now. You know, we're not saying that uh, that you got to you got to put this thing off for the rest of the year, but we can't get on board with you holding this event in, in about 10 days. It was earlier this week, White told uh, ESPN that he had found his location in the U.S. to host weekly fights for at least the next two months. He didn't uh, say where that was at the time, but that he was ready to go yesterday is when he told uh, where the place was, Tachi Palace Casino Resort in Lemoore, California. That's near Fresno. The California State Athletic Commission had canceled all combat sporting events through May 31st. But because the Tachi Palace Casino Resort is situated on tribal lands, the ban did not apply to them. White said he will bring a big fight to that casino resort in the future because they stood by him. We're ready to go. And one thing that I need to point out is that Tachi Palace in California, the Indian Reservation, has had our back this whole time, has stood their ground and uh, was willing to do this fight. And let me tell you this, when the world gets back to normal, the California event will be Atachi Palace. I'm, do- I'm doing a fight there. I'm going to bring them a big fight, and I appreciate them um, standing with me uh, in, the- in this thing. Before it was called off, uh, California Senator Dianne Feinstein released a statement saying she was concerned about the event taking place at the casino, saying it would involve dozens of individuals flying to California and driving to a casino for a purpose no one can honestly claim is essential in a statement. She said also, at worst, participants and support staff could carry the virus back to their home communities and increase its spread. 
The UFC was forced to postpone three events now back in March on the 21st, 28th, and April 11th because of coronavirus, but add this to the list. White remained adamant, though, that the UFC will be the first sports organization back in business. All of my employees, nobody's getting laid off at the UFC. Everybody's good. Mm -hmm. We will be the first sport back. Fight Island is real. (laughs) It's a real thing. The infrastructure is being built right now. Yeah. And uh, that's really going to happen, and it will be on ESPN. That's a reference Fight Island to Dana White purchasing an island, securing a private island at least, where he could conceivably book flights for international athletes who can't get into the United States, and they would be able to host fights there. Uh, Dana White asked why this was so important to him. Well, he said a big reason of part of it was that he wants his fighters to feel financially safe all of my fighters that are under contract with me i want them to feel safe take time with your families and and uh enjoy this time don't worry about the financial part of this you're going to get the fights on your contract then i'm going to make things right with the people who are willing to step up and fight this weekend and not this weekend but next weekend on april 18th and i'm going to take care of as many people as i possibly can and do whatever it takes to make these guys all feel comfortable He's also said that he still has a contingency plan for April 18th. That's why we're the biggest and the best in the world. We pull off things that other people can't. Everybody said that I couldn't do this. Everybody said that I couldn't do this. I can do this. I can go next Saturday. And if anything ever happened in California where I couldn't, I have another place right now with an athletic commission and the governor and everybody's behind it. I can go April 18th. Let's make that clear. Just sounds, there's a lot of eyes in that statement, right? Sounds defiant and like you need to prove a point at this point. Like it's more about ego than anything else. Also, when you're talking about your fighters wanting them to feel safe, hopefully you extend that to all of them under contracts and not just the ones who are, quote, willing to step up and go this weekend, but the ones who might have been too uncomfortable with that or weren't able to participate, just all of your fighters in general, I would hope. Um Yeah, as for this, I I think a lot of experts were glad that this was delayed. Uh, Ariel Helwani was on with uh, Spain & Co. on ESPN and talked about how it would have been bad for this to proceed. I I think it was reckless. You know, uh, I was was not in favor of them continuing these events. Um, I don't know why, you know, the UFC feels like they can do whatever they want. You know, here we have the entire sports world, business world shutting down. And the UFC feels like they can cut a deal with this tribal land and just, you know, do these events when, as we all know, it's not just about the fights themselves. It's about training and being next to each other and spreading this disease and who knows who else can get it. It just was going against everything that every government slash health official was telling us to do. And this is obviously very much a a contact sport. Delayed for now. Up next on the Blitz, well, something that doesn't have to be delayed is virtual sports. And the MLB is getting creative with a new MLB The Show uh, league with a representative from every major league club who is going to rep the Mariners and how will this work? I'll explain next. Plus, we'll hear from Mariners GM Jerry Depoto the latest on how the Mariners are staying in shape and staying connected during this time. It's next on The Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome. 
Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Friday, April 10th. Athletes, sports leagues, they're getting creative in this time to help bring sports back in a safe way. Still practicing social distancing, but not practicing uh, community distancing uh, by hosting some of these virtual sports leagues. We saw the NBA do it with their 2K League, and now MLB is taking a page out of their book. Major League Baseball, the MLB Players Association, and Sony are teaming up to create an MLB The Show League. It will have players from all 30 teams competing in a 29-game regular season. The regular season begins today and will last through April 28th. Games will take place every one to two days with uh, two players playing three to five three-inning games played each day. The postseason is scheduled to begin on April 30th because, yes, of course, there will be a postseason. We'll just pretend it's October on April 30th with a World Series played on May 2nd. The postseason will feature the eight best teams with a best-of-three format for the first two rounds and a best-of-five format for the World Series. And the even better news, MLB and the Players Association and Sony are donating $5,000 on behalf of each participating player to a Boys and Girls Club affiliate in their team's community with a championship player earning an extra $25,000 donation. The first game will take place today at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And it's a good one, even though it's not a Mariners player, but it is a local product. Cy Young award-winning Tampa Bay Rays pitcher Shorewood High School's own, go Thunderbirds, Blake Snell. He'll face off against Cincinnati Reds reliever Amir Garrett, and the matchup will be on tonight on Snell's Twitch channel, uh, which if you follow Blake already and you know he is a huge gamer, he loves sneakers and he loves playing video games and he's pretty darn entertaining while he does it. So this one will be a great way to kick off that season. Conversations have also taken place with the league's broadcast partners to potentially televise some of these games, according to the ESPN report. But all of these streams will take place at 6 p.m. Pacific time every night. And there'll be some primetime streams on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays with where a player with a PC streaming system will host another player with MLB Network broadcaster Robert Flores facilitating conversations between players and fans, so getting interactive with it as well. So who will be representing these teams? There's a lot of youngsters uh, across the league, as you could expect, but not also some not-so-youngsters and uh, some big names in that mix as well. Juan Soto for the Nationals, Bo Bichette for the Blue Jays. Uh, Blake Snell, as I mentioned, uh, Joey Gallo's in here, J- Fernando Tatis Jr., Reese Hoskins, Reese Lightning for the Phillies, and who will represent for the Mariners? It's Carl Edwards Jr., one of the brand new Mariners, but uh, something tells me that he is pretty good at this game, and I'm excited to watch this play out over the next couple of months. It's giving us at least a little taste of sports, a little taste of competition between these players who are some of the most fun and vocal players in the game. So it will be also interesting to just hear their conversation about it. Jerry DePoto joined Dan Gallant yesterday and talked about how there's different scenarios the Mariners are currently operating under, just like about everybody, because the situation is so fluid that uh, they have just a couple different plans. We're looking at what it looks like with with no play. How do we help our young players to develop? And at the same time, trying to prepare them to be ready to return to play whenever that might come to pass, if it's in two weeks or, or, or longer. You know, we... 
we have to be prepared for all the possible outcomes. And, and I think the one lesson we are all learning from this is patience and, and resiliency. You know, if and if that's the the I guess the best that comes of this, then then there was some value from the experience. Jerry Depoto saying the focus is on process. You know, we've been talking about, you know, for five years now, we've been talking about process and, and focus on process over results. And, and you know, the funny thing is when we are, when we're every day, we wake up and there's a game, it is, it's really hard to, to urge our, our players, our staffs even to focus on, on the process over the result because the result matters that night. And it's a, it's a really delicate balance. And one of the, the very rare benefits of the current situation is that we do have the ability to teach these lessons without the stress of the result being so important that night. And, and I think we're going to learn valuable lessons because of it. I don't know yet how they'll apply once we return to the field, but, but I'm sure we'll be better for it. Jerry DePoto on also ways players are maintaining communication and connection. You know, I know in some cases, you know, these, a handful of our players actually live together. So, you know, while not family, they, they are family. They, they, they share a house. Uh, there, there are at least a handful of guys like that that are staying in Arizona and, and they live together. So they, they're obviously, they are communicating and, and sharing on a daily basis. And the others, you know, whether it be through social media networks, we have, uh, we have an in-house, you know, like a, we have actually multiple different Slack channels that we run threads on a daily basis. Just doing their best to keep the development going. We're, we're doing our best to stay prepared and view this in a week to week, I guess from a week to week lens. And we're also trying to remain cognizant, really trying to remain cognizant of the big picture and, and how our developmental plan over time works, because that truly shouldn't change. But obviously the short, the short term does. That was Jerry DePoto on Danny and Gallant. Also, a couple other great hosts yesterday, including Angie Mentick, the one, the only. She was on with Bob, Dave, and more, chatting about some of these classic Mariners games they've been airing en route and 710 at night. If you've missed those, you don't want to. There's still more to come. We'll discuss next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is the and Blitz. And John Wetland one more time set. And here comes the 2-2 pitch to Edgar Martinez down. The fastball swung on in the deep center field. Bernie Williams goes back and it is. Get out the right bread and the mustard this time, Grandma. It is a grand salami. And the Mariners lead it. Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Liddy Cruz alongside with you Friday, April 10th. Get chills still every time I hear that. Most of the house's calls. Edgar's Grand Slam back in 95. Angie Mentick joining Bob David Moore yesterday. Also just one of my favorite people to hear from on any subject. But joining them to talk about the classic re-airs that have been happening on Root Sports every evening as well as here on 710 ESPN Seattle the Mariners games. We went through uh, a lot of the 1995 ALDS uh, and Angie Mentic on what seeing these old games is like. 
You know, there's a lot of things I miss about baseball. I was brought up with a sport. I love the sport. I love watching it, being at the ballpark. But there's nothing I love more than sitting in that uh, Mariners media room, the lunchroom there, and just talking about everything other than sports with this person who does a great job on Root Sports. You know her, you love her. She's on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. She is Angie Mentink. Angie, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's good to have you on. By the way, when you're talking to people... But like how excited they are to like have somebody to talk to. <laughs> are you are you done talking with your children? Is is that worn thin? Yeah, they, 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 a couple weeks ago. We went. I think we quarantined too early. Like we were we were right out of the get go trying to flatten that curve. We did. She took the kids out of school uh, a few days before they actually closed the schools. Because we were like, they're in middle school, so it's not like they're in high school and they've got grades that count or anything like that. So we actually took them out, and then um, probably a week and a half in, we're like, that was a bad idea because, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Angie, let's talk about quickly what what you guys have going on. I mean, everybody's clamoring for baseball. We're all waiting for the world to resume and and all of that. But I think Root Sports doing a really cool thing in the meantime, and airing some mariner classics we're doing it here on the station but uh just just your thoughts on is there anything you've watched recently or talked about recently where you're like man i forgot all about that what a game or what a moment or what a play what what stood out to you constantly rob um it's really interesting how you know well two things that kind of jump out at me when you ask me that question is one it's funny to talk to the players about them because you and i as fans we watch it like from you know, inning one through nine or inning one through 10 or, you know, whatever the game ended up being where they sort of like see it through their pockets of, of, you know, where they, you know, what they did and when, and they don't necessarily always see, you know, what everybody else is seeing. Like I remember talking to Edgar about the double, uh, one of the games that were in game five. And I had that. And I was like, you know what? I got, I don't even know. Did you get to second base? Because you kind of, I mean, all you do, you watch, you know, you see it through the TV lens. You, you know, you see what you're allowed to see through TV and, you know, all your cord drops in and, you know, easily from third. And then, then you're just watching King Griffey Jr. fly around. You're watching the throw come in. But it's like, you know, Edgar's just kind of in between first and second. But he just told me he actually did get to uh, get to second base. But he was he was doing a lot of spectating between first and second as well so it's just kind of interesting to hear it from their perspective you know versus me as a fan and watching it you know through the lens of of inning one through um nine but fun Angie, how much do you that... miss... go ahead <laughs> sorry i was just going to say the other thing that uh that i that jumps out at me from watching this and and i, I don't know you know which way the audience is is gonna you know swing at me with this is that the game has really changed. Um, you watch guys like John O'Rourke and Edgar Martinez, and, and you watch them like have professional at bats. You watch Cammy in that 19 inning game, like just fight off pitch after pitch after pitch before he hits, you know, that line drive home run down the right field line. So it's kind of just differently it, the way the game has changed, and you know, it wasn't so much about exit philosophy and you know sort of all or nothing like walk or or you know uh take a big swing and and uh and see where you can uh, hit this ball and how far it'll go so just interesting how much 
in really not that big of a span how much the game has changed. Love hearing from Angie, the one, the only, uh, saying, yes, maybe they sheltered in place just a little too early at her household, but I like it. They're on top of things there. Uh, also, recently on Bob David Moore, Brock Heward, our own, joining those guys to chat about uh, the draft and where the Seahawks stand in terms of Jadevian Clowney. No, no, don't, well. don't go nice guy here, Jim. We're going to expose Jim for the, for the malicious, <laughs> ill intent that he throws out time and time again. I don't know if you caught this, Brock, but, no. you know, as the houses were unveiled yesterday, you know, 710sports.com, Taylor Jacobs put that whole thing out about quarantine <laughs> houses and who yeah. was in each house. Yeah. Jim had some really pointed thoughts about our house. <laughs> But I'm looking at House North as being the most boring house of all. I, I look at some of these guys that are in here, including you, Bob. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking if you want to have fun at your house, I mean, if this wants to be like a Big Brother type thing, and if we want to have some fun, well, you're going to be you're going to be at House East because Wyman and I are going to be cracking the bourbon, we're going to be rolling the bones, we're going to be gambling, we're going to be having fun, we're going to be giving crap to each other. And I just, I compared it to a race at Emerald Downs, and here, here's the way I sized it up. So our horse naturally wins by eight lengths. And I, I also think that we would have won by ten lengths. It would have been an even bigger win for our house, but I accounted for Salk being in our house. So we're, we're not going to win by ten lengths, we're only going to win by eight. So that that's Jim who finds, you know, if he were to stagger around the house drunk, yammering about how little effort he puts into anything, being really entertaining, uh, that's that's his idea of entertaining. We'd be really boring, bro. <laughs> uh, but also, too, let's put it this way. We've got the professor in team in house norm, so we are all set. Well, go get him. Go get him, Brock. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. You know, uh, I mean, I, I, it was obvious, you know, when, when the houses came out, the quarantine houses came out the other night, there was one house that was trending. And, and I tweeted a picture of it. That wasn't my doing. There was one house that was trending in Washington State. And, you know, Bob and I know the, the address to the high road, so we don't have to go bragging about it. But you could look at yeah. it on what was trending or on my Twitter and you'll see what the populace said. They want to be hanging out with the with the Hall of Famer, John Clayton. It all sounded cool until you said, on my Twitter. <laughs> trending on Brock's Twitter? That doesn't yes. mean anything. It means nothing. You don't even know what trending means, Brock. Uh, how are you guys doing? Are we getting ready for this draft in two weeks? Are we tired of talking well, clowny? What's happening on the afternoon show? We're, we're tired of talking clowny, but I want to ask you a question about yeah. some of the kids that you saw doing college football last year. And I, I know you've talked about the running back from Wisconsin. Um, who, who were some of the guys that really stood out to you that were impressive that are in that sort of area? I don't know if you did Penn State because they're talking about the Gross Matos kid or maybe Iowa, Epinesa, the, yeah. the pass rusher from Iowa. Who were who are guys that stood out to you as you were doing your games last Yeah, I, w I would say actually, Dave, the, the other pass rusher, obviously Chase Young is going to go number two, and he was one of the most dominant. And I know Ohio State's had a bunch of them and the Bosa brothers too. But seeing that guy up close and personal, I mean, that is a generational pass rusher. That guy is going to go number two. And then there's a huge gap between him and the next. And, and I think most people look at the next guy as the, as the kid out of L LSU. He's really young. I believe he's only a true junior. Chason is the last name. And he is super twitchy. And to me, Dave, that's what I'm, 
I'm looking for. I think the Seahawk D-line and Rasheem Green and L.J. Collier and bringing Bruce Irvin back, Benson Mayo, uh, the personnel you have, Brandon Jackson for that matter too, you just don't have that electric burst, that electric speed. Exactly. You know, I, you hear people say twitch, right? He's so twitchy. He's just so explosive. To me, that's who you're looking for, and that's not Epinesa. Uh, to me, that's not necessarily Gross Matos, a kid out of Penn State. You know, this draft doesn't have a ton of them. Really, after Chase on, I think there's a big, significant step down. So I, I don't know, Dave, to be honest with you. I didn't see. Now, Epinesa is intriguing uh, because he was a terrific athlete. You're talking about like an all-state basketball player, a discus state champion, uh, you know, just one of those really all-around good athletes, not a great athlete. So if you're looking for that just freakish pass rusher, I don't think this draft unfortunately has them. It's got freakish receivers. It's got some freakish linebackers that can run. I think it's it's pretty deep on the uh, interior of the defensive line where you got some guys that can be difference makers. But I don't necessarily see where the Hawks are picking Dave, a real twitchy, explosive guy off the edge. Brock Heward, all the takes you can want about the draft, but also which quarantine house uh, he would want to be in. That's Brock Heward on with Bob, Dave, and more yesterday. And if you didn't see those houses, you can go on to 710 ESPN's Twitter, uh, and there is a picture, a picture posted there. And Taylor Jacobs coming up with that creative discussion, which, yes, sparked many conversations, maybe a little trash talking on 710. It's up next on The Blitz. It's time for the hot list. Kevin Garnett said he wants to bring the Sonics back to Seattle. What are the possibilities of that? We also got to hear from Russell Wilson and Sierra this week on Jimmy Fallon and what they're doing during quarantine. Plus uh, plus the latest on UFC, their, their April 18th event has been canceled but still seems pretty adamant dana white does that he could make it happen it's next on the blitz right here on 710 espn seattle you're listening to the blitz from the alaska airline studio it's time for the hot list. Holy mackerel. The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 6.45. Heck yes. What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go. We talked yesterday about Kevin Garnett and how he in an interview with the Associated Press, said one of his biggest dreams right now in the next five to ten years would to be to bring basketball back to the Pacific Northwest. Well, it's in Portland, but back to Seattle primarily, having played here several times in his career. Here was Kevin, though. We got the actual audio of it. I want you guys to hear it. Yeah, I think that if the opportunity presents itself to buy into, I would definitely look at it, definitely consider it. Um, if I have a dream, I would say that I would love to able to go and buy uh, the Seattle Supersonics and reactivate the Seattle Northwest and get NBA loving back going into that area. I know because this- I, um, I think it's I think it's needed and it's it's, it's essential. Seattle's huge to our to our to our league, not just Portland but the the whole Northwest. Good to hear. Whether it will come to fruition or not, it's always good to have big stars or big name people talking about bringing basketball back here and that it's important to them. Wisconsin officials announced Thursday that the Badgers will not seek waivers for seniors in spring sports whose seasons were cut short by the coronavirus pandemic. They cited, quote, a time of unprecedented uncertainty in college athletics. 
NCAA last month approved an extension of eligibility for D1 athletes in spring sports and relaxed scholarship limits to allow seniors in spring sports to return for the 2021-2021 academic year. They would still have their eligibility, but the NCAA left it up to each institution to decide whether to grant seniors in those sports uh, less or equal financial aid next year. So that was a big sticking point for at least now some schools as it's appearing because of the unknown time, the unknown certainty Uh, The waivers could be applied for student-athletes competing in spring sports like baseball, softball, tennis, golf, outdoor track and field, among others. And the waiver decision did not include winter sports, though, basketball, hockey, swimming, diving, and gymnastics. Wisconsin citing that unprecedented time in uh, right now in college sports. And it could be because the fate of college football, too, at this time is still somewhat up in the air. We've heard from a lot of coaches recently that they feel optimistic things will get back to work soon because they have to be, of course. But college football and the revenue, the money that comes in and how it supports other college sports um, obviously will be devastating to all of college uh, sports if It's not able to go with fans or is lessened in some sort of way. So, of course, a lot of coaches being optimistic at that at this point, but also a lot of athletic directors and college presidents coming out and saying that they want to be they want to play, but they also want it to be safe. They want to follow the advice of health professionals. Dabo Swinney was on Get Up yesterday and talked about why he thinks the season will return. Faith and hope, uh, you know, I mean, I think you have a choice. You can be optimistic uh, and uh, or pessimistic. And I just have always lived my life with optimism. And uh, I just believe in all the unbelievably smart people that we have in this entire world that are working on this thing. And, and I just think uh, I just I just hope for the best. And I believe in the best. But Gus Malzahn, also Auburn head coach, talked about yesterday how they have different contingency plans based on different dates. We've got a plan that if we come back June 1st, what it would look like. Uh, we have a plan for June 15th, July 1st, and July 15th. We've not got past that, but you know we want to make sure we're as efficient as we can. And, of course, we're hopeful that the NCAA will allow us to have some type of practices, OTAs, even if it's without pads, uh, you know, as far as that goes. But you know, I'm just really trying to be positive and kind of put the doom and bloom, doom behind us and uh, just really looking forward to getting our kids back on campus. But, you know, we feel really good about those four scenarios if, if, if it happens that way. Adam Schefter yesterday, we mostly hear him talk about the NFL, but talked about how college presidents and athletic directors believe that college football will be played. All through the week, you're doing some draft coverage and you wind up speaking to a bunch of people who've been talking to athletic directors and university presidents. And it comes back not from one person, not from two persons, but multiple people that college football is going to get played at some point this year. Now, maybe it's going to be September. Maybe it's going to be October. Maybe it's going to be January. Maybe it'll be in front of no fans. We don't know what form it's going to take. But as it was described to me, there's a quote unquote clear conviction that they're going to play these games. And as soon as you put it out there, The U.S. Senator from Connecticut, Chris Murphy, comes out and blasts the tweet, blasts the information. Look, just a messenger here, sir, Mr. Senator. I'm not trying to stir up anything. He takes on the system itself, basically questioning how 
older white people or exploiting young African-American men. I'm not going there, okay? That's for the center. He wants to do that. That's his prerogative. I'm just telling you the clear conviction of university presidents and athletic directors is they believe, and why can't we be hopeful for once, that there's going to be college football at some point this year. Complex issue, obviously, and not just in the college ranks, but in the professional ones as well, Jeff Passan of ESPN speaking yesterday. We're in this kind of weird spot, he said, where bringing sports back almost feels greedy. It's almost like the idea and the notion of sports even coming back doesn't exactly feel right because there's so much going yeah. on in the world right now, because there are so many terrible things at this point. And, and that's kind of the problem because you have this little bubble of sports that is trying to look ahead, that is trying in some cases to save its business with minor league baseball, to salvage its business with major league baseball, or to advance its business with the NBA, the NHL in the playoffs, or the NFL starting a new season. You have all these competing enterprises that want to look at what's happening in the real world, but don't want to lose the perspective of what's going on in their sport. And it just feels almost greedy that they're trying to go back out there and play, even though there are so many people out there who want that to happen. Jeff Passan saying sports need the approval, though, of politicians and health officials and following their expertise at this time. New England Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman will not be prosecuted after being cited by police for misdemeanor vandalism back in January. According to the L.A. County District Attorney's Office, Edelman had been arrested January 11th back in Beverly Hills one week after the Pats season ended. Oh, you hate to say it. And a wild card loss to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he jumped on the hood of a vehicle, which caused damage, but the owner of the vehicle told the district attorney's office that he had been uh, fully compensated for the repair costs and that he didn't want him to be prosecuted for the proposed vandalism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Russell Wilson and Sierra during uh, quarantine, how are they coping and uh, dealing with things? Uh, they were on Jimmy Fallon this week. Jimmy Fallon at home. He's broadcasting his show from home, which is pretty cool. Uh, talking to Russell Wilson and Sierra. And then I'm going to start doing some dance classes for CNN. She's teaching me. She's teaching me. <laughs> All three of them. Um, <laughs> she, uh, that must be intimidating. Huh? I mean, how are, how's Russell's moves on the dance floor? You know, he, he's got his life, so he's, he's a good pocket dancer. Hey. I'm in the pocket, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, he's got his nice little groove that he goes to, and he does it very well. So when he stays yeah. in that pocket, it's all good. I'm around a bunch of stuff around the house, though. I mean, we've, we've been cooking, we've been doing so much. So cooking anything. dog grooming. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. become a self-celebrity uh, hairstylist. I'm helping with all of Sierra's wigs. Stop. Oh. <laughs> Russell's a great pocket dancer. You heard it there from from Sierra. So the sports world has been at a standstill, as we well know, due to the coronavirus pandemic. And a recent poll suggests that a majority of Americans wouldn't feel comfortable with attending sports van- sports events in person just yet. Uh, one caveat for this that was released by Seton Hall University and their School of Business is that it has a relatively small sample size of 762 respondents. But according to this poll, 72% of Americans polled uh, would not feel comfortable attending a sporting event if they resumed unless there was a vaccine for the coronavirus widely available. With respondents who identified as sports fans, 61% said they would not go to a game without a vaccine. Only 72% of all respondents said they would go to games if social distancing could be maintained. 
which would likely lead to a highly reduced number of fans, staff, and media at games. Bob Condota on yesterday on Bob David Moore, I believe, talked about how it's hard to believe, and this good news for Genevieve Clowning fans, that Seattle still doesn't have a chance to sign him. Yeah, you know, I know as, as Clayton always tells you guys, there's maybe really only a few teams left that uh, realistically can offer both the salary he might want and sort of the overall opportunity that he wants. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that how that evolves. So I think Seattle certainly still has a chance, I would think. I think there's still that opportunity there to just kind of you know, say, hey, keep in touch and let us know what's going on. And at the last minute, maybe, you know, they can do some things to uh, make it more appealing to them. Bob Canota, the Seattle Times, though, too, on why Clowney could look at somewhere else. You know, the new the new uh, sort of idea is that at this point, if he's resigned to probably having to take a one-year deal somewhere, that at that point, he's going to take it where he thinks he can set himself up the best for free agency a year from now. When, you know, from his standpoint, none of this will be going on and, and maybe his injuries aren't, aren't uh, considered a hindrance for him. He can have a normal free agency process. And he might look at Seattle and, and all that as like, you know, I only got three sacks there last year. So am I really going to be able to suddenly get eight or nine or something like that? Um, you know, and if some other team can play you on know, promises, you know, maybe it looks more promising to him from that standpoint. That's a wrap for the hot list and the entire Blitz at Six Hour. Happy Good Friday to everybody. And I hope we have a safe and sound weekend. I'll be thinking of you and hanging out with family and friends, social distancing when necessary, and taking care of yourself. Sending good vibes your way. We'll see you back here Monday. Danny and Gallant next.